Hey, good morning, everybody. Hey, I want to welcome all of you online today. We are so glad that you are joining with us. We just feel like you're part of us right here worshiping with us today. Um, we have already enjoyed a wonderful presence of the Lord in this place today. Can I get an amen? I'm really excited about uh, the message this morning because I think it will speak to many of you in where you live most of your life. But uh, I'm also... I'm also really um, anxious to preach the message next week. Can you just turn these monitors off, please? Thank you. Um, let, me just, let me just talk a little bit about next week for just about 10 seconds. Next week is going to be a message for those of you that have experienced pain, hurt, and suffering throughout your life. Am I talking to anybody in this place today? You've lost somebody you loved. You've experienced um, devastation in your life, maybe due to circumstances that were not your fault. You made some mistakes in your life. It caused you great pain. Um, and the interesting hero next week is gonna be somebody that will surprise you. Um, and I'm just gonna leave it at that. All right. Well, we've been in this series, Heroes of the Faith, and... In chapter 11 of Hebrews, there is this list of the heroes of the faith. In fact, I was reading this morning, I was in the, my office about 6 a.m. this morning, and I was studying through, and it hit me. Since I started this series, I hadn't actually gone back and read chapter 11. You know what I'm saying? Because the, the text that we're going to look at, it comes out of Hebrews chapter 12. So I went back this morning early, and I started reading through Hebrews chapter 11. And if you want to get blessed, come on, if you want to get a blessing, go home this afternoon and read through Hebrews chapter 11, because it lists in there some of the heroes of the faith, and it lists what they went through, and it lists how they stood firm to the end in spite of the circumstances that they faced. So if you want a blessing, I'm just going to encourage you in the context of the series we're in, that you go back and just read through Hebrews chapter Chapter 11, because you read through Hebrews chapter 11, and then you get to the first verse in chapter 12, and it says, uh, it says, therefore, so that means because of what we just read, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, those people that have gone on before us, not just the ones in Hebrews chapter 11, but every loved one you have had that has gone on to see Jesus. They have left this life. You had a husband, you had a wife, you had a child, a friend, somebody, and they love God in this life. They have now gone on and they have entered into this host of witnesses. So it says, because they're cheering us on, let us throw off everything that hinders the sin that so easily entangles and let us run, not walk, let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. And so the last two weeks we talked about Isaiah, then we talked about Elijah, and then we talked about Elisha. And last uh, and uh, uh, this week, I want us to look at the character of Samson. Samson was one of the judges in the Old Testament. I want to spend a whole lot of time talking through there, but Samson is mentioned in chapter 11 of the Hebrews, the, the heroes of faith. He's, he's mentioned there, which is surprising. Come on, because he messed up his life. He got more of his life wrong than he got right. Come on, anybody want to identify this morning with Samson? 
Like you're just like a professional messer upper, you know what I'm saying? That was Samson. In fact, if you read through about Samson's life, you will not find anything really good about his entire life. But he's mentioned in the Hebrews chapter 11, Heroes of Faith passage. At an early age, he had uh, what scripture says is special anointing on his life. And uh, in, in his case, at an early age, he was anointed to be a leader among the people of God, though he missed his call. He, that was his call. He was strong. He was handsome. Okay, now anybody want to identify with Samson? Um, yet his life was full of deceit, disobedience, anger. He hooked up with the wrong friends. Then he hooks up with this girl named Delilah. She tricks him, finds out the secret to his strength, his anointing cuts off his hair, takes away his strength. He's powerless, now captured by the Philistines that he had kind of been called to defeat and now they have defeated him. And when they captured him, they gouged out his eyes that he would never be able to again see that he could never again do damage to them. And they put him in slave labor for the rest of his life pulling a grindstone at the mill around day after day in a circle for the rest of his days. And here's a guy, here's a guy who was destined, destined for greatness, but his disobedience took him from greatness to the very bottom. And yet here he is in this list of heroes in the hall of fame in Hebrews chapter 11. And though Samson was blind, I think one thing that he would say to us today is, when you have eyes, but you cannot see. That there's nothing worse, that something worse than being blind is having sight, but not being able to see. He was saying, I was blind. I became blind way before I lost my eyesight. I drifted slowly away from God. I drifted from his call on my life. I drifted from his principles in my life. I drifted from what my mom and dad told me that I should cling to. I was blinded to the devil's schemes in my life. I just didn't see him, I didn't see him coming. And he took me, he took me in my blindness, even though I had sight, he took me to the very bottom. And he would say to us, you don't have to lose your eyes to be blind. So I want you to open your hearts today and let God show you some things that you thought you saw clearly, you thought you understood, but maybe you didn't. Because I think the reality is our blindness can cause us to miss some things in our life. It can, it, it can certainly help us miss the purpose God has in our life. Samson had a profound call on his life unmistakable call, a supernatural power that could have been greatly used by God, but it was wasted. And every day on a, when I stand up here each week and I look out at all of you and I look into this camera and I look at all of you online, I wonder how many of you, how many of you have had a purpose in your life, but you have never yielded to it and you have, you have wasted it. 
The angel, the angel of God said to Samson's mother before he was born, you will become pregnant and have a son whose head is never going to be touched by a razor. He was a Nazarite. That was like part of their custom. He was never to be touched by a razor because the boy is to be a Nazarite dedicated, dedicated to God from the womb. Let me just meddle a little bit. Don't tell me that little children in a womb doesn't matter. They matter to God. It should certainly matter to us that even, even uh, John the Baptist, the Holy Spirit came on him in the womb. Okay, I'll go on because I'm gonna get off on something and it might get ugly. Um, he will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistine. His call was to be a spiritual leader. God had a determined purpose for his life. God wanted to use him in a powerful, powerful way, but he ran from God and he ran after the desires of his life rather than will of God in his life. And he didn't live out his purpose. And what I strongly hate for many of you is that many of you go through your entire life without realizing my life matters. And you don't have a clear sense of God's purpose on your life because you have never purposely sat down or gone through something or had people help you understand what God's purpose is for your life. Um, you have a call. Listen, it is not just for ministers like me. I have a call, but it's not. Listen, you have a call. Your life matters. And it's more than what you just do every day. That's a living. But your life has a purpose. Listen, I make, when you have and understand a call of God on your life, it will help you make better choices in your life every day. I have a call on my life, and quite honestly, the call I have on my life protects my life and helps me make better choices every day because I know when I stand before you each week in a setting like this, when I'm talking to you online, that you expect some things from me and that I have a purpose, that I have a calling. The scripture, the scripture reminds us that where there is no revelation, people cast off restraints. Uh, another translation says, where there is no divine call realized, people run wild. See, it doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter how I spend my money. It doesn't matter where I go. It doesn't matter who I marry. It doesn't matter what I say. It doesn't matter what I do during the week. Yes, it does. When, when you don't know God's purpose for your life, you are in danger of settling for a much lesser version of it. Serving God in your purpose. Listen, it's the best gift you can give to God. It's the best gift you can give to others. Come on, watch this. And it is the best gift you can give to yourself. Serving God in your purpose. I'm speaking great truth today. Another one is our blindness can cause us to miss the blessings of relationships. Every relationship you have has a power. Come on, stay with me. Every relationship you have has a power. It, it can be a power for good or it can be a power for, 
power for evil. Every relationship will take you in a better place or it will take you in a worse place. When he returned home, uh, Samson, he said to his folks, I have seen a Philistine woman. <laughs> Come on, you know what he's saying, right? I have, I, have, I have seen a Philistine woman. Daddy, go get her for me. I want her. I don't want to follow the Jewish laws. I don't, want to, I don't want to marry into our race. And this was not a racism thing, but it is a point of purity that God called them not to be distracted by other nations because he had a specific call on them. He didn't want them pulled away to other gods. And in the New Testament, Christians are told not to marry non-Christians. Why? Because it will pollute the relationship. His father and mother replied, isn't there an acceptable woman here? Like among your relatives or your own people, must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines to get a wife? Must you go to an unbelieving people, people that are not, they have different values, different beliefs than we do, people that will pull you apart? And Samson, Samson looks at his father and says, no, 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 not doing that. I done found me a Philistine woman and I want her. I know it's not what you want. I know it's not what God wants, but I want her. And some of you have had an eye on a Philistine woman. Now that Philistine woman may be something different. It may be a goal in your life. It may be something you desire, some position you want, and you know it's not right, and you know it's not pleasing to God, but you just want it anyway. And this right here will end up being the worst mistake that Samson will ever make in his life. And because of this, he will spend the rest of his life defined by his relationships. In fact, all of you do as well. You become defined by those you spend the most time with. This is so crucial. That's why my mom and dad always wanted to know, always wanted to know where you're gonna be. When you're gonna be home, who you're gonna be with. And I couldn't get away with just saying, oh, some friends from school. They wanna know who they were. Bring them by the house, let us meet them. Well, I don't wanna do that. Well, then you ain't going out because they knew that I would most likely be pulled in a direction because of the people that I hung around with. If, you're, if you are, uh, well, let me just, let's just look at this passage. Do not be misled. Bad company, bad company corrupts good character. It, it, it just does. You get around the wrong people, this is coming from 40 years of pastoral experience. You get around the wrong people, your life will end up a mess. Some of you get around, oh, let me just, can I meddle, is that all right? Well, good, because I'm gonna do it anyway. Um, some of you get around people that love to just flow words from their mouth and most of what comes out is negative and it's just pure gossip. Come on, you know what I'm saying? 
And you know what happens when you're around that enough? You start to do it and you don't even realize it. Because those you hang around, you tend to become like, you tend to start to look like. Your choices impact your life more than you think your choices do. And if you're here watching uh, or in this place or you're watching online and you are still under the influence of your parents, let me just say something to you. Come on, who's back there on the camera? Who's that? All right, I'm gonna get real close here. Here we go. Yeah, 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 there we go. You got me? Come on, here we go. Your parents are smarter than you think they are. (laughs) Come on, get some praise going in the house of God today. I know you think they're stupid and I know you think they don't know anything, but they love you and they are much smarter than you in so many areas, especially when it comes to friendships and relationships. They know more about the people you hang out with and more about the destination your life will end up according to who is influencing your life. And and, and you need to give them some credit and you need to listen to their wisdom. I won't even charge extra for that today. Honor, the scripture says, your mother and father, which is the first commandment with a promise that all's gonna go well My dad taught me this one, that it may go well with you and that you may live. (laughs) Yes, he did. Woo. My dad had something called a razor strap. Now, he never used it on me. He didn't have to. He'd just go over and tap on it. And it got my full, it got my full, Attention. Successful, successful people have people around them that see things they can't see that will help them and lift them and raise them up to a different level. One day I sat in a prison and I sat visiting a young man from our church. And here's what he said to me. Pastor, I am here today for one reason, and it's because of the friends that I hung around. I grew up in church. I knew the right way. I had lived a good life, but one decision in a relationship that my parents warned me about, but I thought I knew more than they knew, And now I'll spend the next 10 to 15 years of my life in this place, primarily because of one person I hung around that I shouldn't have. Your life will mostly be defined by those that you hang around and do life with. So here's what Samson would say, choose wisely. Samson was so blind to this, he couldn't even see it. Our blindness can cause us to miss the character of God in our lives. Samson anointing gave him this supernatural strength. You know, you know his story, right? Like one day he took the jaws, he's, a lion came on him and he just grabbed this lion and he's so strong, he just rips his jaws apart. I'm telling you, that's pretty strong, right? Just rips that sucker apart. 
One day he's being attacked by a thousand Philistines and he takes the jawbone of a donkey and he kills a thousand Philistines. They tie him between two pillars and he, he pulls them together and destroys thousands in a Colosseum. He's powerful. He has the anointing and power of God on his life. And so Delilah wants to know, what makes you so strong, big boy? And he has some fun with her and he tells her some lies because now lying is not a big thing to him. And since he's already sleeping around and since he's already defying God and since he's already rejected his parents and their religion and since he's already gone so far and he's a deceitful, disrespectful person, he's thinking, so what's the big deal? I'll just tell her too. And yet for some reason, the presence of God in his disobedience, this is, I'll just tell you from a pastoral perspective, I don't understand it. I read because I'm thinking like if I were God, and some of you right now need to be thinking, thank God he's not. But if I were God and I had called Samson and placed my power and anointing on him, and he just rejected it, did what he wanted, I mean, after one or two times, man, he'd be gone, right? Like I'd bring another lion on him and say, and you know, Samson think, oh, I'll just do this on my own strength. And man, I'd have that lion just devour that little boy. You know what I'm saying? That's just me. Be thankful I'm not God. Be thankful I'm just your pastor. And yet for some reason, time after time after time of disobedience and walking from God and disobeying God, God just keeps coming back to him. God just keeps coming on him, even though he was sinning. Why? Because we serve a good God who is full of mercies that are new and fresh each day. And no matter how far we go, he will just keep pursuing us. He will just keep coming after us because he is a good God. He is a loving God. He just loves us so much. He's relentless. And this describes some of you. Some of you watching online, this is your life over and over and over and over again. You have just rejected God and pushed away from God. And time and time again, he just keeps coming back to you. He's pursuing you. And the reason he does it is because he is a loving God. It seems that the prevalent philosophy today in our world is, I love to sin and God loves to forgive, right? And that thinking, that philosophy breaks the very heart of God and it keeps his anointing from you. After putting him to sleep on her lap, Delilah calls for someone to shave off his seven braids of hair. So they come in and they subdue him and they cut his hair off and his strength left him. And you can disobey God and he will keep coming back to you. You can keep resisting him and he will come back to you. But you will get to a place, you will get to a place eventually where God will zap you and remove his strength and anointing and power from your life and it will bring you down to the very bottom. It will. And then she called, Samson, they're here to get you, the Philistines. Come on, jump up and fight them. 
And he thought, oh, watch this, don't miss this. I'll just go out as before. I'll just do what I've always done. Disobey God, get up, he forgives me. I go on and do something great. I'm just gonna do what I've always done before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him because he didn't understand the character and the nature of God. And there are many of you in this place and many of you watching online, the truth is about your life. You don't understand the full character of God. When we talk about the grace and the goodness of God, hey, it's true. He is a God of grace and goodness and love and mercy. And I'm thankful for that. But I need to tell you, he is also a just and holy God. All things will be made right. We walk in the fear of the Lord. Now, it's not like, a, it's not like I'm afraid of God when I fear him, but I respect him and I honor him. And I take his word at full value because scripture says God will not be mocked. Every time I get up to preach, I have a reverent fear. Every week before each service, we gather back in the back. And today we talked about this idea that when all of us get up here, we all, we all have to have this reverent fear and humble ourselves before God because if he's not here and his anointing is not on us, everything we do on this stage is of no value at all. Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, and he took them down to Gaza, binding him with bronze shackles. They set him to grinding grain in a prison. And this is where he spends the rest of his life. The Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with man. You come into this place and sometimes you feel the anointing of the presence of God on you and he convicts you and he's asking you to submit something, to surrender something, to come pray about something and you have become a professional ignorer. And this verse reminds us over and over again that God's spirit will not always pursue or strive with you. There will come a point where he will let you have what you want to have. Well, pastor, that's just in the Old Testament, but we live in the New Testament. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. Because in the New Testament, it says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin because grace is so abundant? So God's got grace, he likes those to give grace, so we just keep sinning, is that what we're supposed to do? Paul said, by no means, how can we who died to sin How do we still live in it? Because when when you learn to fear God, you can then live fearlessly. (laughs) See, that's how I wanna live. Now I respect God, I live in fear of God, meaning I'm reverent with him, I am am cautious with him and to honor him with all that I am and all that I have, that's, that's a reverent fear. But when you know God and you have that kind of fear in your life, it causes you to live in this world fearlessly. 
Now, I'm not dishonoring anything that's happened over the last few months. I feel horrible for people that have succumbed to all that stuff. And I have been as, as guarded as anyone. And I wash my hands. Um, in fact, my hands are now a totally different color. You know what I'm saying? I have a mask on my face. If I'm around people with a mask or if I'm out in public doing stuff, I, I do that. I do the hand, I do hand cleanser like, you know, I get it by the gallon. Come on. But I have to tell you, when I walk out every day, I don't walk out in fear. I don't live my life in fear. I don't live my life in fear with all the craziness going on in our world. Not living my life like that. I'm gonna live my life fearlessly. Why? Because I have a reverent fear for God and I know he is working through me and I know he's protecting me and watching out for me and looking over me day after day after day. When you know you have God's presence and strength in your life every day, you get a godly confidence. So, what would Samson say to us before he leaves us today? What would he say to us to help us to cheer us on on our journey? I think he would say, guard the very presence of God in your life, guard it. You need it. He would say, this world we're living in is so crazy you need God more today than you have ever needed him before. Guard God's presence in your life. Guard it. Be active about it. Your life is filled with things that will seek to steal his presence, seek to steal his favor in your life. Paul says you have to guard it. In one passage, Paul said, evil, Satan is like a roaring lion. And every day he gets up and he's trying to seek you out to destroy your life. And you can't do this on your own. Paul says, guard it. Guard your life. Do you know what keeps God's favor in you? Do you know what keeps God's anointing? This, I'll just say from my perspective, what I feel like keeps God's anointing and favor on my life is the same thing that keeps your favor on all of your children when they were growing up. You know what it is? Obedience. When you obey him, you get his anointing and favor. When you don't, you get whatever the world has to give to you. He gives you instructions in his word. See, the reason some of you, the reason some of you aren't obedient in that area is because you haven't even gotten in the word. You've got to get into the word. There is no reason for, I don't care who you are. I don't care who you are. There is no reason every one of us can't be in his word every day. It is the breath of life to our souls. I'm just, I'm so busy. If you're, if you're too busy to read a verse, then you are just too busy, period. We got apps on our phone. You can listen to it. If you can't read it, you can drive to work. Some of you, you can get it on your phone every day and just listen to it on the way to church on Sunday. Okay. Let me pastor you for a minute. Is that okay? It is this idea of, of guarding God's presence in your life. Come on, this is in love. This is in love to all of you watching online. Some of you live in disobedience to God every day and you have become used to it. 
I mean, why not spend time with him every day and just read one verse? I mean, just read. If you only read one verse, how long does it take to whisper a prayer? When I was growing up, we used to sing an old song. You remember it? Whisper a prayer in the morning. Whisper a prayer at noon. Whisper a prayer in the evening. Why? To keep your heart in tune. Why don't you serve him? The gifts, the talents, the breath, the life, everything he has given you, why aren't you serving him? Why do we have needs in a church our size? Why do we have needs? I don't understand it. Why, why all of us don't find a place to serve God who has given his own son for us and saved us from the pit of hell. Why would I not want to serve him the rest of my life? I had a senior adult come to me this week and met with me for an hour and it was the most beautiful time. New to our church. And with a broken spirit, she said, Pastor, I just want to serve God in some way with the gifts that he has given me. You are never too old to serve God. There are, there are gifts and ministries for everybody, no matter what, how old or how young you are, no matter how much time you have or don't have time. See, when you stand, the reason I'm adamant about this is because the one thing you want to hear one day, when you stand before him face to face, which will not be too long, all of us hope to hear these words, right? Come on, say them. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Well, what is that about? Well done that you made a wise, well done. You were smart enough not to burn in hell for eternity. Is that what he's saying? Come on. He's saying, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You served. You took the gifts, the resources, the talents that I gave you, and you used them. Well done. Why, why don't we trust him with our finances? You're number one in my life, Lord. I don't see it because my calculator doesn't work like yours done. I don't, I, yours does. I don't see it, but your word says that I should give to you first. And the Bible says God uses a different calculator than yours. And when the one key on his that really works well is the multiplication factor. Hello. <laughs> And then when I open my hands and do this, the Bible says God opens the windows of heaven and does this. As anybody in here know what I'm talking about. And some of you have never done that. And what in essence you are saying is, God, you are so small, I can't trust you with that. Some of you have never been obedient in water baptism, never. I mean, I've heard all kinds of excuses. Pastor, I don't want to get my clothes wet. I want to get my hair wet. I just had it done this week. I mean, come on. He drug a cross up a hill, bleeding, broken, beaten for you. Surely you can get wet for him. You are preaching really good today, Terry. Thank you. <laughs> Put him first. Put him first. Well, I just don't, I don't feel him, pastor. 
This is the one I hear, I've heard before. You know, I just don't feel him like I used to in the old days. <laughs> well, maybe if you draw close to him, he would draw close to you. And he draws close to you best in obedience. Put him first and watch how he draws close to you. Do not put out, do not put out the Spirit's fire. So it's possible we could do that. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit. You don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit of God. No, you want the Holy Spirit in your life. You want his anointing on your life. And so here's what you've got to learn to do. Samson would say, the biggest mistake that I ever made in my life was I didn't put God first. Put God first the first day of the week, seek him. I mean, the first day, the first of the day, the first of every day, just seek him, just get up. Get, I mean, before I get out of bed, my mind is on the Lord and I'm asking him for strength for the day and I'm asking him for help for the day. I'm asking him for his anointing on my life for the day. Just, just spend the first part of your day, even if it's just a few minutes. The first of the week, worship God. That's why we gather together like this. That's why we're gathering even online to worship God together. Each month, honor God with his tithe. Show him that he is number one. Allow him to open the windows of heaven in your life. Honor God with your life and watch how God blesses you. The second thing I think he'd say to us is be careful who your friends are. We talked about that. Samson would say, choose your relationships wisely. Now, let me just do a little time out. I'm not saying like, okay, oh, I don't wanna pick on anybody. I'll just say somebody. Um, you know, you look at somebody and you go, man, I don't know if they have a great marriage, if we really wanna hang around them or, or, or they seem to gossip a lot. She does, she's just like, blah, 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 blah. you know, I don't. So you don't do this. You don't walk up and they're like, hey, can we, let's go get some dinner sometime. And you don't go, no, wait a minute. God told me I shouldn't hang around you. Because <laughs> you gossip like a sieve and everybody knows it. No, 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 I'm not, not saying that. In this, I'm talking about who you give your heart to, who you spend time with, enormous amounts of time, who you connect with. And the reality is most of you won't have more than five or six close relationships. You can't have more than that. You don't have time for that. And so who are those people closest in your life that you give attention to? Who you hang around with will determine your future. Some of us need to get rid of some bad friendships in our life or distance ourselves from them. And some of you need to choose some better people in your life and get closer to them. Slowly, they are determining where your life will be. You've heard me say this many times. Show me the five closest friends in your life and I'll show you what your life looks like five years from now. Proverb writer said, he who walks with the wise will get wiser, but a companion of fools will bring harm. More than anything, they will determine your future. That's why the passage, uh, which is often misunderstood, but let us not give up together meeting as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. In other words, we, we need to get around some people not, and uh, you know, let people influence us, help us, encourage us, the church, the body. And listen, in recent months, some of you have developed a very bad habit of distancing yourself 
from people and distancing yourself from being in church and you need to break that habit. Now, now let me just say this. I'm not talking about those who feel vulnerable. I'm not talking about those that are older. I'm not talking about those that uh, may be more susceptible. Not talking about you. But I'm talking about those who you have allowed the devil to rob you of gathering with believers or other people that will encourage you and lift your soul and bring you into the presence of God. Thought I'd get one amen there. All right. Um, Because we were not created to do life alone. We weren't. I was thinking about Samson uh, this week. And this morning, as I was reading through the Hall of Fame, can I just be honest with you this morning in this statement? I don't know why he's there. I read this this morning um, to the group before I came out. This is all you get in the Hall of Fame. It would take too long to recount all the stories of the faithful. And then it lists a few people, Gideon, Barak, Samson. That's it. And if you go back and read the story of his life, it's not like he had all these great achievements. He didn't have any. There's no good thing about Samson's life that would put him in a list of heroes and say, everybody be like him. You you go read it. But I'm reading a book. I've read it about 15 times. It came out in 1995. It's a book by a guy named Steve Farrar, and it's called Finishing Strong. And one of the things that stood out as he talks about all these people in the Bible that started out well, but they finished poorly. They had a great anointing on their life. They messed up. They did good things first part, messed up the last part. Come on, you know what I'm saying? Like Solomon, wisest man that ever lived, finished poorly. 700 wives led him astray. So I'm reading this. Finish well, finish well. That's the one thing he did. He started listing the few that finished well. And one of the things that stood out in this list of heroes mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, the only distinguishing factor is that all of them are there because not of success in their life, but because they finished strong. If you read through the Bible, you see more people who started out well but ended poorly. They got taken out of the game. And so let me give you the last thing I think Samson would say. A guy who was broken by this world, broken by sin, made one bad choice after another, messed up his life. Here's what I think he would say. Your failures don't have to determine your future. (laughs) Praise be to God for that. Samson messed up. Come on, honest in church. Many of you have messed up. Many of you watching online, the story about your life is you have messed up. Samson is now, Samson is now spending his life walking in a circle every day of his failures. And with every lap, I think he thinks about a different failure. That's just the, the story of his Life blind day after day, grinding away, reminded over and over again of his sin, over and over again of his sin. But look at this verse. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, 
Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please God, strengthen me just once more. And I am so grateful in my life and for the life of so many, and maybe there's some testimonies in this room today that we serve a once more kind of God who continually comes to us in our failures, in our, in our shortcomings and says, hey, come on, once more, let's try it again. One more time. Oh, I've gone too far. No, you haven't, come on. Once more, you serve a God where you can mess up your whole life, but if you cry out to him and you humble yourself and say, oh God, I need you, I humble myself before you, God will say, okay, all right, I'm gonna do it again. I'm gonna restore you one more time. And God touched, God touched Samson in his lifetime of failure and he put his his anointing back on him at the, now it was at the end of his life. I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that our life of failure doesn't bring pain and scars. It does. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? Scars you just wish you could get back and do over. You, you can't do it over, but God can give you another chance. And he's chained now between two pillars and they are mocking him and mocking God. And he's chained between these two pillars of this Colosseum that kind of were the foundational pillars. And he prayed and God came on him in amazing strength, maybe the most strength he had ever experienced before. And he was able to pull those pillars together and destroy that Philistine temple and all that were in there. And he was able to destroy more enemies in that one moment of God giving him one more chance than he was able to do an entire lifetime combined. Somebody watching today, you feel like your life's a failure. It's just how you feel. I, I, you've had failure in your marriage, failure in your finances, failure in relationships, failure in a business deal, Failure as a parent. Failures are tragic and failures bring pain and scars, yes. But you need to know that God is coming to you on, online today or all of you in the house today to give you another chance. Come on, amen. I believe that. I think he would say failure only controls you if you just refuse to get back up again. This is all the better I'll ever be. I'll never be, I'll just be negative all my life. I'll always be financially poor. I'll always be in debt. I'll always have a bad marriage. I'll always have kids that are ungodly. <laughs> Proverb writer says, the godly may fall seven times. The godly, time after time after time after time. They may fall, but the godly, those that trust in him, will rise back up again. And there's somebody in this place today or even watching today and the truth about your life is you need to get up again today. You need to stop staying where you are, living in defeat, living in discouragement, living in depression, angry at God because life wasn't fair, because God's not finished with you. 
I believe, I believe, regardless of what your past was, God's greatest, the greatest thing God wants to do in your life is still ahead. Would you stand with me and bow your heads? If you're watching online, would you just bow your heads a moment? God, I pray for every person here in this place today or those watching us. Those who feel like a failure, <laughs> come on, so many do, so many do. They failed parenting because none of us were ever trained. Many of us didn't have good examples. They failed in their marriage. They failed financially, they failed spiritually. And Satan has them so defeated today, they don't even believe that you are able to help them and sustain them and strengthen them. But I am praying today in the name of Jesus that you would raise some people up today. They may not have done it right thus far. They've made a plethora of mistakes understood, but you can still write their name in the hall of fame. You have a brighter future for them than they can even understand today. Somebody today needs to just cry out to him. You need to ask him. Some of you, somebody needs to cry out for yourself and you just ask God, you just pour out your heart to him. Maybe you need to cry out for somebody else. Maybe you have a child and their life is a mess and you are, you are crying out for them. Maybe you're watching today and your life is just one list of failure after another. It's not a list of hall of fame, it's a hall of failure. And you just wanna cry out, God, I need you again, just one more time. For many of you, it's time for you to put God first. Maybe you haven't done that in a long time. Some of you just need to go all in. You, you've been kind of playing games, but you can't get the best God has for you when you just go halfway. And some of you, there are some, maybe more even that are watching online that have never invited Christ into your life. <laughs> and today could be your day. They're gonna sing a song. I just wanna give you an opportunity to pray. Maybe praying where you are is okay. Maybe some of you do it in a safe way would like to come and either pray here or just stand down front here. I know one or two have asked me to anoint them today and I'm gonna be doing that in a safe way right down here in the front. Um, they're gonna sing a song that is very familiar that we come just as we are in our brokenness and our pain and our failures and our sin and our suffering and our life that has not turned out like we thought it would. And we come just as we are. Father, many just need to pray today to kneel before you. Many need to hear the words once more this morning. Many are discouraged by life, defeated by something Satan has brought their way. But in the name of Jesus today, we are praying you to raise somebody up. And so as they sing, if you feel you wanna pray, wanna invite you to that, those that want to feel safe to come, stand down here or kneel here and pray. 
Let's all sing this together.